Another story involves a phone call. I got a phone call from Pastor David Bell. David pastors the church up in Mountain Lodge above Katy. I got a phone call from David one morning. He said, Ronnie, I just wanted to ring you. We were doing some outreach in Katy last night. And there's a young girl come onto the bus. Her name was Sarah. And in the course of conversation, she wanted to know, did I know Ronnie and Carolyn Dawson? And uh, I said I did. So David proceeded to tell me about Sarah's present situation. It's a few years back. But Sarah had lived with us. Carl and I were, were foster parents, and Sarah had come to live with us from a different, difficult background. And after a while, it was agreed that she should go back and try and build a relationship with her parents again. But that, unfortunately, broke down. Sarah was placed in secure placement. And the night that David met her in Katie, she had broken away. She, could, she, she had escaped from that secure placement and was on the streets of Katie. And David wanted to phone Carolyn and me just to encourage us because Sarah said, the time that I lived with Ronnie and Carolyn Dawson were the best days of my life. Went to Pakistan a few years ago. I met a pastor and he had two young twin brothers. We done leadership seminars. We went to visit projects where they help young girls who to try and give them a better life from the abuse, both physical and sexual, from their employers in a Muslim nation. And as we were coming to the close of our trip, Lemuel, and it's not Samuel, his twin brother Samuel, but Lemuel is a, is a biblical name, go and look it up. But Lemuel come to me and said, Ronnie, you know that our dad died just a short time ago. I'm asking you today, will you become my daddy? And so what a great joy and a privilege that to get regular messages to daddy and sweet mommy from Pakistan. One more recent, and there's one girl who might just recognize this. But most important, thank you for showing us what it's like to take in children that are not your own and make them feel like they are. I have a whole lot of wee cards like that, but Carolyn's not in the slightest bit sentimental. And so after a couple of days, they all go in the bin. And then when I'm looking for sermon illustrations... I can't find them. But why am I telling you stories like that, personal stories that just let you see a little bit inside my heart? I think the the time has come in in my life as I continue on, on my Christian journey. I don't know why it's something to do with age. I don't know why it's something of how God's impressing upon my heart But I want to tell you something as family this morning. One of the highest accolades that you can give to me is you're a good father. I'm not really interested anymore in the other accolades that might come my way. 
It's nice to hear that you're a good boss or a good director or a good preacher, but those things don't mean so much as being ascribed of being a good father. And I believe that's why I got Paul to sing that song this morning. And I didn't know that he was going to sing the first song as a new one. So I just, please forgive me if you see me typing stuff down during the meet. I'm not sending text messages. I'm taking notes of Paul sang the first song, which was new to us as a church family this morning. Fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And if I was going to put a title to my sermon this morning, I would now change it to to this line from this song. Fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. I believe that when we sing good, good father, it's something that resonates with the heart of God. Because he is almighty God, And there is no one like him. And he is worthy of the song, How Great Thou Art. But I think there's something special in the heart of God when we sing, You're a good, good father. Because if you remember when the disciples came to Jesus and said, In this era of of the kingdom where, where God has come and wants personal relationship with us, how do we address him? How do we come to God? How do we approach God? And Jesus said, here's how you do it. Our Father. Our Father. So that's God's heart. God is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is almighty. But there's something special today that I want to share with you. He's a good, good Father. And you're loved by him. And that is something that really resonates with me. In this time when we're singing these songs, I believe that God wants our worship as his place as a good, good father. Now, many of People that have shared here on previous Sundays have, have shared how there's many, and I agree with that. There's many people even that come to mission school, and their desire is to serve God, to love God, to serve God with all of their hearts. But they come from maybe a dysfunctional model of what fatherhood looks like, or a dysfunctional model of what family life looks like. But in the Bible, in the Word of God, we are given perfect models. We sang it there as well. You're perfect in all of your ways. So if you want to see the perfect model of a father's heart, you look to God. If you want to look for the perfect model of what family life should look like as we are church family together, we find it in the Word of God. And so this morning I want to look at the perfect model. Of fatherhood. Let's look at some aspects of the Father's heart. And it's foundational that He loves us. Again, I couldn't help but 
write it down as Paul sang another song. I will build my life upon your love. We sang that this morning. And what, that's one of the main characteristics of the heart of God is that he loves. And I, I, I sometimes think as, as we emphasize this week after week after week that some of us maybe still have not clearly understood the Father's heart and how he loves us. We haven't come to fully understand the, the breadth, the height, the depth of his love. And sometimes as a father, as a natural father, it's, we have some indication of the heart of God. Two of the most memorable dates in my memory are the 31st of August, 1984, and the 16th of December, 1986. That's the day when I stood beside Carolyn, who was lying in a hospital bed, as she gave birth to our children. And at that moment, in, those, in that early days, whenever you hold something that is your own DNA, there's something of fulfillment, joy, undescribable love that fills your heart. And for those of you that are parents here today, I'm sure you know something of that experience. And I feel that's the type of love that God wants to impress. We can never understand fully God's love. We can only understand it from our perspective as humans. But God wants to say to to us this morning that the same love, the same joy that comes into your life, he experiences that same joy. That incredible love whenever we become a part of his family. That's why it's good for us to understand that there's a party in heaven over one sinner that repents. Because God's heart just overflows with joy. The day you committed your life to Jesus Christ, the day you come into personal relationship with God through faith, God's heart was overwhelmed with love. Because he loves you. Isaiah, or sorry, Jeremiah says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And that's why I love whenever I have influence with people, especially at the castle, we encourage them and I encourage myself to get into the prayer room or get into the quiet place where you can develop that intimacy with a God that loves you. An indescribable love. A love that is everlasting. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made humble, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This morning we need, we need to grasp, to get a clear understanding, as we sang, to go deeper, deeper still, into understanding the love of God, how he loves us. Because I promise it's going to be difficult for you. And I want to, at the end, whenever we come to the end, I want to talk about how do we reveal God's heart to a broken world? You can't reveal clearly God's heart to a broken world if you haven't come to a clear realization of who you are in God's love. If you haven't had a clear picture of how much God loves you. We could literally do a, a series on the Father's heart of, of God and we haven't time to go into too many characteristics of today but not only does he love but God is patient. Is there anybody apart from me here today that is glad that God is patient? He's long-suffering towards us. He's long-suffering towards me. In Second Peter Chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never come to a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that gives you personal access into the presence of God whereby you can call him our Father. Thank God he is a patient God. He's not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. The verses continues in verse 15. It goes on to say, Bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. God's patience towards us is our salvation. Sometimes we think that salvation is just our coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But our salvation is an ongoing process. Our salvation starts when we receive Christ. Our salvation starts when we come into relationship with God. But it's not in just in terms of our response to the gospel that God is patient. God is patient with us embracing the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. He's patient with us. Because sometimes that's not easy to do. Sometimes the flesh rises up and we want to fulfill the desires of the flesh. But God is patient with us. He's long-suffering with us. The goal is that Jesus Christ becomes Lord of everything. It also involves the unfolding plan and purpose that he has for our lives. 
God is patient with us. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And sometimes we get in the way of God's plan and purpose. We short-circuit God's plan and purpose. We think we know God, we know better ourselves than to follow God's plan and purpose. And I'm telling you that from experience. I've been there, I've been down that road. Thank God. The Father's heart reveals that He's a patient God. He forgives another aspect of God's character, another revelation of the Father's heart. He forgives. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. That's a very interesting verse. We could take a lot of time to talk about that this morning. Because my initial thought would be, God blots out my transgressions and my sins for my sake. But that is not what the Bible says. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Because God's purposes will be fulfilled. He will redeem a people for himself. And that's another sermon. But it is for our sake. But God has blotted out our transgressions and remembers our sin no more for his own sake. See, human nature tends to remember its mistakes and its failures. I would say if I had the conversation with most of you today, it wouldn't be long if we were talking about mistakes and failures that each one of us could bring to our memory. Mistakes and failures of the past. And at the end, as I've said, I want us to just spend a few minutes in in allowing God's love to to flow over us. Because maybe here this morning, you have understood that God forgives, but you struggle forgiving yourself. Issues of unforgiveness still within our hearts. Another aspect, he is our provider. He provides. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? See, God's heart is a giving heart. He is the original giver. You might have heard this phrase before. I'm not claiming it to be my original. But it may be possible to give without loving. But it is impossible to love without giving.
It's possible to give without loving. But it's impossible to love without giving. Matthew 7, Luke 11, we, we read when Jesus is saying, If you as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father not give good gifts to, to those of you who ask? I, I watched this uh, unfolding in our, in our family life. Uh, if any of you know anything about Reuben, he loves Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen has pride of place in Reuben's bedroom. But I see David and Nicola. If they cannot go past a shop that has something with Lightning McQueen because they want to please Reuben. They want to make his joy complete. And if an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will our heavenly father give gifts to those who ask? Again, we could deep, dig deeper into that situation of our, our, of our responsibility of stewardship of the gifts that God has given us. He's a generous, generous father. Another aspect that we see is that he protects. He protects. First Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 5. Let me look it up. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you and through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. God is our protector. We are shielded by his power. If we are look at the example of the Apostle Paul, we see as we follow his story through the book of Acts that God is able to protect us from and God is able to protect us through. Because in the world that we live, we can go through problems and difficulties and circumstances that we would rather avoid. But in the story, as in the model of Paul the Apostle, we see that God protected Paul at times from persecution. But more often it seems that he protected him through persecution. He's our shield. He is our protector. Now this is not some sort of a macho protection that I'm talking about. There are three women in this room today who I know 
would protect me. Yeah, Bridge is probably the fourth. But of the three that I want to refer to you very quickly to, is one is my daughter, one is my wife, and one is my, my mother. And if you want to see a slightly different side of their character, you go to them today and tell them something derogatory or negative about me, and you will see. Does Nicola protect me because I'm the perfect father? Now, I have my favorite mug at home. It says, nobody is perfect except my daddy. David, when Sarah grows up, she'll buy you one of them. But meantime, that's my present. Nobody's perfect except my daddy. But does Nicola protect me because I'm a perfect father? No. Carolyn's not able to answer out loud. Does Carolyn protect me because I'm the perfect husband? Would my mother protect me because I'm the perfect son? No. They protect me because it is the automatic response of love. It's the automatic response of love. When we talk about God being patient, if you recognize his heart, it's an automatic response of love. He forgives. He blots out all our transgressions, all our mistakes. It's an automatic response of love. He provides for us. And what good father would not provide for his children? It's an automatic response of love. And he protects. It's an automatic response of love. There are many other aspects of God's heart that we could look at this morning. He comforts us. Have you ever known the revelation of God's heart in comfort? He directs us. Proverbs 3, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It's a good father that gives direction to his children. He disciplines us. Wow. How did that get thrown in there? He disciplines us. See, a good father will discipline his children. That's for another day. He sees our potential. Has anybody else ever seen and recognized your potential? I want to tell you, if you get close to the heart of God, he recognizes 
the potential in each one of us. He's possessive of us. And one of the great things about God, as we get a revelation of the Father's heart, He is unchanging. Never changes. His commitment, His covenant of love to you and to me is unfailing. So, this morning as we come to a close, I hope that I, as I have endeavored to share a little bit of my own personal journey, because that's where I am at this minute in time. My heart is longing to have a heart after God. And I know if the closer I get to God's heart, the more I can get revelation of his heart, then the greater impact I can be as a father. As Neil has mentioned, I believe there's a lack, there's a shortage of fathers in the church today. People that have a heart after God. How do we reveal God's heart to a broken world? I'm convinced that we cannot be as fruitful and as effective as we should be or could be unless we have this revelation of God's love, that we are loved by God, that we are loved as his children. And I want, as we come to a close this morning, in a few minutes I'm going to ask Paul and Joanne and Adam to come and lead us in a final song. And as they're playing before we sing, I want, us to, I want to lead us in a prayer. Because I believe that God today wants to give us a baptism of his love. I have come to realize if I want to serve God effectively, if I want to be fruitful and effective for the kingdom of God, it must be based on the words that we are singing this morning. God's love is our foundation. We will build our lives upon the foundation of God's love. That has to be our foundation. One of the things about our our church grace community is that we have a, a pastor who's not afraid, not particularly wants to, but he's not afraid to express emotion. And probably got that a wee bit from his own father before him. Because we endeavor to preach here at Grace Community Church a holistic gospel message. It involves the mind, the will, and the emotions. And I see in my journey of life that many, many Christians are quite happy to work with the mind and the will. 
but they're going to protect their emotions. They're not going to reveal their heart. But I want to tell you something this morning. If you want to be fruitful and effective for the kingdom of God, it's going to be a holistic message. See, we can, you can listen to all the scriptures that I have quoted this morning. And that gives you an increased knowledge in your mind. You have a free will this morning. And that gives you the opportunity to make decisions about what you do with what you've heard this morning. That's your mind. And that's your will. But I want to tell you something this morning. God doesn't want it just to affect your mind and your will. He wants it to affect your heart. And when God's word begins to affect your heart, it usually has some sort of an outward expression. I've seen people offering exuberant praise and worship. I've seen people falling prostrate on their ground in the presence of Holy God. But probably for me, in my experience, one of the most common ways is to weep tears. And I don't mind, I'm not shy to say that. When I go into the prayer room in Ballyards and weep tears, I know that God is doing something deep in my heart. Because it's not enough to have a knowledge. It's not enough even to make decisions based on the knowledge that you have. You need to allow that to touch your heart. You need that to affect your emotions. It's your mind, your will, your emotions. See, we come, all of us probably come from different backgrounds, different religious, cultural, political backgrounds. But this morning we want to be secure in the Father's love. See, from your background, you may have been given information. Your culture, your church background, your political background, you have, may have been fed, fed certain information. Based on that information, you have affected your will and made your decisions. But you've never really allowed the Spirit of God to touch your heart. And I believe that's what God wants to do here this morning. He wants to give us a baptism of his love. So that becomes our foundation. Not the things that we've been taught from a religious tradition. Not the things that we've been taught from a political persuasion. Not the things that we've been taught from a cultural persuasion. But we will believe the word of God. We are his children. We are loved with a never 
lasting love. You bring joy. The very fact that you're alive brings joy to the heart of God because he created you to love you. No other reason why God would create you. His desire was relationship. His desire was to love you. And if we can get a renewed sense of God's love this morning, I believe it has the opportunity to deal with certain things that are in your emotions that shouldn't be in your emotions. See, God's love, if you can understand who you are as a child of God, it will deal with feelings of low self-worth. It will deal with feelings of low self-esteem. If you can understand the depth, the breadth, the height of God's love this morning, it will deal with areas of resentment or bitterness or unforgiveness that lie within your heart. Maybe he wants to deal with doubts and fears about your future. Maybe he wants to remind you this morning that no matter what your future holds, that his presence will be with you. He's a good, good father. He's the perfect model of fatherhood. I don't care what your impression of family life or fatherhood has been. I present to you the perfect model. Just get closer to his heart and you'll find out. He's a good, good father. And you're loved by him. I'm going to ask Paul, Joanne, Adam to come. We're going to sing a final song. But before we sing, just with music, I want us to bow our heads. I want us to just reflect this morning on what God wants to say to us. Billy has already given us a word from God that maybe there's somebody here that needs just to come back into the warmth of the fellowship and enjoy his presence. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've never really experienced this, but you've never had that assurance in your heart of his deep commitment and covenant of love that he has for you as his child. This morning, God wants to speak to your heart. He wants you to draw you into a closer, closer intimacy with himself. Whenever we talk about Abba, Father, people say we, it's Daddy. Now, in our house, Nicola calls me Daddy, but Neil calls me Da. And I call my Da, Da. So whatever you're comfortable with this morning, if it's Da with a Northern Ireland accent, whatever it may be, press into that intimate place where you can connect with the heart of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask you this morning, if there's any of those areas that I've mentioned there, that you feel that you want God just to minister to you, will you stand to your feet? In a few moments, we're all going to stand and worship. But if you want to just have a fresh encounter of God's love this morning, 
dealing with issues of resentment or unforgiveness, dealing with issues of low self-worth, low self-esteem, dealing with issues about doubts and fears of your future. Please stand to your feet and allow us to pray for you this morning. Allow God's presence to minister peace, healing, hope, and love into your heart. Let God be real to you this morning. Father, we thank you for your love this morning. Thank you, Lord, for how you demonstrated your love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. What a privilege that we can call you our Father this morning. And Lord, I pray for a, bat, a fresh baptism of your love to come upon every person that's standing here this morning. You know our hearts. You see our hearts. Lord, we pray that you will come in a fresh way this morning and reveal your love. Allow people to know just how much you're committed in covenant love to each and every one of us. Lord, come this morning. Minister to our hearts, we pray. Minister to us this morning, Lord. We welcome your spirit to come. We acknowledge you as the source of everything that we need. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.